So January 8th, 1956 is a day that Jim Elliott and several missionaries went to a jungle in Ecuador to bring the gospel. Several weeks before they landed, they had been dropping these packages, trying to to deliver goods and items to the people of the Wadoni tribe. And the day they arrived on January 8th, 1956, they were hoping for a warm welcome. But what they received was tips of spears piercing through their bodies. They were killed. One of the tribesmen actually lied and told them, the Wadoni tribe, the reason why the men were coming, and it was a lie. And so when the men arrived, they were welcomed with spears, and their bodies were found in the river. But don't be saddened, family. Don't be saddened. Because though those men died proclaiming Jesus, their life lives now forever in glory with Jesus. Amen. This is what we're going to be looking at today in Acts chapter 17 is we're going to see the life of a missionary named Paul. And he's going to be in Thessalonica and he's going to he's going to receive persecution But in the midst of persecution and adversary, he's still going to proclaim Jesus. He's not going to stop. And look at, we're going to see the passion of of Paul just coming through these pages where he tries to reason with people and explain and prove and proclaim Jesus. So let's go ahead and go to Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary. He's doing this to the Jews. Necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. They were won over and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. Man, they're just hating on him, right? He's bringing the word, persecution comes. They formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. As you can see, they already had heard about Paul. And Jason had received him, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken some money and security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Our boy Jason bonded out. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness 
examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul also, they came there too. Agitating, stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off his way to to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So this is what's happening. Paul is in Thessalonica. He's preaching the gospel. He's reasoning with, he's reasoning with these, these Jewish people who don't believe that the Messiah had to suffer. So what he does, he begins to show them. He explains to them. He begins to prove to them. And he says, man, it was Jesus. The guy I'm talking to you is Jesus. So today's sermon title is Rep for Jesus. So what I want to focus on is this. We need to learn from the Apostle Paul how he did this. What we see is that he reasoned with people, which is going to be my very second point. We have to be ready to give people the hope of the gospel. To reason with people, not just to argue with people. You know, early off when I first became a Christian, I would see Jehovah Witnesses pass by or Mormons pass by. And, and, and it sounds as bad as it's going to sound, but it's going to be true. I would, I would just want them to come by my house so they can knock on my door and I can open up my Bible and I can prove to them how wrong they were. But how messed up is that? Because you know why? They're just people like me. The Joyce is broken as me. Instead of having love and the passion of Christ guide me and lead me to want to explain and reason to them, man, this is who Jesus is. Let me show you what God's word says. It was more like, let me prove how wrong you are. Let me show you how, how, how your, your, your religion is more of a cult. The motive was wrong. I was more about changing people as they were projects. You know how sinful that is? People became projects, not people. So we have to learn how to reason. Turn with me, if you could, to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is what the word of the Lord says. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You do it with gentleness and respect. I missed those last two when I first became a Christian, gentleness and respect. I just saw defense. and I was like, yeah, defense, defense. But we're called to do it with gentleness and respect. Be able to reason with somebody because that's what Paul's doing. He's reasoning with people so they would understand. Jewish people were very stubborn. They were so stuck in their ways. They were stuck on the sacrificial systems that they needed to sacrifice animals. And I truly believe, and it doesn't say it here, but, but, but and, and I'm, I'm just going to go off subject just a little bit. 
But we need to understand when Paul and any of the apostles were preaching and teaching God's word, they were using the Old Testament as their basis, right? So I truly believe they used a lot of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. Because the book of Leviticus is the very foundation on which the sacrificial system was built for Christ to come and sacrifice himself. And so I say this to say all that. If that makes any sense, what I just said. Is that Jesus was proclaimed as being that sacrificial lamb to those Jews. Because they saw the slaughterhouse of animals that would take for their sins. And Paul proclaims the Messiah needed to suffer. He needed to die. He explained to them. He explained to them. And he pointed them to the prophecies. You know, when Jesus is walking down the road of Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, this is what he says. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. We've heard that time and time again, but let it be part of our language. Because all that means is this. Every single book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation has everything to do with Jesus. And Paul teaching this to the people, because remember, it wasn't just Jews, but it was also Greeks. They were won over. They were idol worship, literally idol worshipers. But they were won over because it says that they were persuaded. They were persuaded. And they joined Paul. We have to be ready to be able to explain God's word. 2018 is a new year. I want to interject just application points as I'm going through this, but we have to be ready this year to set aside time to read throughout the whole entire Bible. Let's make a commitment to be able to learn God's word, to be able to explain who Jesus is through the scriptures. Man, you know how rich and beautiful it is to see who Jesus is when you can have a feast and see all these good things that God's promising to the broken people of Israel. When he tells the people of Israel, I'm going to save you, not because of what you're doing, but because of my name. Because I'm good. Because I'm everlasting. So 2018, let's make it a point to to read through God's word and see those promises. Know the whole redemptive story of who Jesus is throughout God's word. It's going to be important for us because everyday life, like Jim Elliott, as a missionary, so are we. I think we forget that. We're not bystanders. We're not called to sit in the crowd and just watch. Every single follower of Jesus is a missionary. We're called to live on mission. And I know we use that language a lot here, but because we want everybody to know here, as we read in the text and as we're drawing out this text, is that Paul's living life on mission, contextualizing the gospel, breaking down the message for people to understand He's doing it with gentleness, respect. He's explaining, he's proving, he's proclaiming. But why? Because he knew the hope 
that was in him. He knew the people that were perishing, and they needed to know the truth. Family, listen to me. When it comes, there's going to come a time, or maybe it has already for you. But when you're in conversation with maybe a believer or non-believer, and they'll say to you, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Has that happened? Or am I the only one that's happened to? People ask you that. Where does it say that in the Bible? Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't he just, just forgive people of their sin? Why couldn't he do that? Why couldn't just Jesus die as a baby? If, if it all was required was a shedding of blood, how come Jesus couldn't die just as a baby? Right? And people ask these questions. And those are, they're harder questions. But we have to be ready to prove through the scriptures, to know basics. And the way we learn these basics are within our missional community groups. We're being equipped and trained. But the basics being, hey, listen, man, Isaiah 53 tells us that he was pierced for our transgressions. Upon him was a chastisement that gave us peace. We show them in Psalm 22 who Jesus is. We're using God's word because if God's word is active and living and transforming, I could tell you this thing. There is no greater evangelist in the world than the Holy Spirit. And what he does, he uses his word. But we have to be able to know the scriptures, family. I want to encourage us this year. If we believe in what God says, we believe in his word to be true. Let's spend time in the scriptures Enjoying who God is. Enjoying the glory of God on display. You know, you know how when you go down to a game or a school and there's a hallway and there's all these trophies on display? When we read through the scriptures, that's what we see. is God's glory, God's grace on display. Because Paul, as he's here in these scriptures proclaiming to people, Going through this explanation and this proving process, we see that opposition comes. I'm going to tell you something, family. When you stand for truth, as we read that Paul was basically persecuted, shoot out the city, people who follow Jesus will be persecuted. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. All those who choose to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When you take a stand, and I'm, I'm going to go a little left here. That's okay. Mm. This day and age, what we see is, is something called tolerance. People say you have to be tolerant of other people. And I'm reminded of a story of a baker. This baker was asked to make a, a wedding cake. For a gay couple. And the man said, well, I do make cakes, but I, I, I choose not to make that cake for you. And so what happened was the couple left mad. They filed a federal lawsuit. This guy's business suffered, was on the verge of closing. All these things happened. But he took a stand for truth. He was persecuted in the sense that he was willing to lose his business and his livelihood to take a stand for truth. And I'm going to tell you all something, family. Paul taking a stand for truth led to persecution. 
When you take a stand for truth, for Jesus, I can guarantee you, it is not always popular. Standing for Jesus is not the popular thing to do in some countries. In some countries, it means that you actually might die. Here in the United States, what it means for us is that we're part of a circle, part of a group. But what I want to say is this. Let's take a stand in 2018. Let's take a stand in 2018 to stand for truth. You want to go tell somebody to go around? Yeah. Is he coming through? Oh, oh awesome. Well, welcome. <laughs> so at the end of the day, family, this is what I want us to point to. Is that in 2018, let's make it a point to spend time with the Lord and his word. If it is the active aging change that changes people from darkness to life, it's important that we ourselves would know what it says. And within our, in our home groups, our missional community groups, I should say, that's where it happens. We become equipped. We learn the gospel. We learn how to share the gospel using three circles. We tell people that's one of the tools in your tool belt. We let people another, uh, letting people know another way of doing it is sharing your testimony of what God has done. But those are different ways. I love what Paul does here. How he stands and he says, how, how, how it says right here, he says, they are acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus, and the people and the, pe- and the, people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. Family, listen, we serve only one king in this world. It's not a president. It's not a man. It's King Jesus. Amen, right? So 2018, let's learn to prove what God's word says. Let's take time to actually read it. And what I encourage you, when you get a chance, an opportunity, read 1 Thessalonians and read chapter 17 of Acts. It's a mirror image. It's just it's showing what's going on. And, and I love what it says, how the Thessalonians received it in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, 2, when the Thessalonians heard Paul preaching and proclaiming Jesus, this is what happened. And this is what Paul says. This is his view what happened. And he says this, and we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is. The word of God, which is at work in you believers. They received it as the word of God. As you're repping for Jesus, be ready to reason with people, explain to people, prove to people who Jesus is. And now, as we talk about proclaiming, we have to be ready to take a stand to proclaim who Jesus is. If you could turn with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. And this is what it says. This is Paul speaking. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Family, your life here on earth is a missionary. Everyday life is mission. 
what I can get from this text, and I don't want to dissect it all the way, but I will say we can draw this truth out of there, is that we're called to exposit the scriptures, to break down the scriptures to the people around us, people who are unbelievers. And we're going to see there's two people groups right here, one group that needs to be persuaded and another group that receives it eagerly and searches the scriptures. But because we're missionaries, we have to be ready to show the hope through the scriptures, what Jesus says he's come to do for us. And in verse 10, you see that Paul and Silas are sent by night and they arrive in Berea. They go into the synagogue, they start teaching again, and they said the Jews were more noble. That word noble right there, it means eugenos, which means this, it's to be open-minded. Look how they received the word. Verse 11, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were were so. One group of people had to be persuaded. The other group was open-minded. When you're on mission, you're going to encounter different people who want to hear about Jesus. Man, the other day we were block walking with Brother Juan, and uh, we were doing a community assessment. It was just me and him. We were on Billingsley. And there was this guy, man, you know, I'm born and raised in the north side, so, you know, when people have tattoos on their face, it doesn't scare me. You know, people with tattoos and, you know, the way they dress, it doesn't surprise me, it doesn't scare me. It's my neighborhood. And so we're walking down the street. This guy's all thugged out. He has a big old piece of chain and some more chains and more chains. I'm like, man, this guy's blinged out. So I, I see him across the street. And, and, and what it looks like, it looks like he was trying to take off a sticker off his dashboard, the one for the, for the registration. And I'm like, man, this looks illegal. But you know what, man? They need to hear the gospel. So I go over there, wrap around the corner, go around the car. The guy's looking at me kind of strange. And I begin to talk to the guy. And I began to talk to him about what we are doing in the north side. And I began to tell him, man, I was like, man, we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout this neighborhood, man, let people know who Jesus is. And it's like a light bulb came on. He's like, oh, man, I love Jesus, man. Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I learned about Jesus, man. And he begins to tell me what he's learned about Jesus. But from all looks of how he looked, I could have been like, man, I don't want to go talk to that guy. I might get stabbed, shot, robbed, or something might happen to me, you know? I might die as a missionary right there in the streets of, you know, downtown Houston, you know? I'm Billingsley. That's like two minutes away from my house, you know? I'm going to come out on the news, you know? But the point that I'm making, family, is this. Look, everyday life, where you're at, where that might be, God's placed you there. He made a change. He brought you from darkness to life. He ransomed you because he died on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood for you. That you would live. That you would have life. That you would no longer be yours. But he's loved you and called you by name for a reason and a purpose. Because he has placed you in this time, in this season, in this city, here at this moment now for one reason and one one reason alone. Do you know what that is? To make much of Jesus, to proclaim him until he comes back. And he's using every one of us as those instruments of change, as those tools in the Redeemer's hands, using our broken lives, restored by the grace of God 
That when people see us, they would see the brokenness in us, but they would see what hope we cling to. They would see the change that God has done in our life. Though we may not be perfect, they would see who we trust in the one that is perfect. 2018 is a different year, family. My boy Paul right here, all he's pointing to is that, man, you're going to have to reason with people sometimes. You're going to have to explain the gospel. It says three Sabbaths day. It's like three weeks. He was in town anyways. You know, Paul couldn't be quiet. Proving and proclaiming. Every one of us, family, is a missionary. Every one of us. We forget that. Everyone has been brought from darkness to life, been transformed by God's word. Man, you have a purpose in life. And I think so far too long, we just forget that. And I know I get comfortable and I get in my work mindset. I think about me, myself and I, my comfort, my peace. And I forget, man, why God has me here. We're called to go make disciples, proclaim Jesus. That's the passion of Paul right here. He's proclaiming Jesus. He's making much of Jesus. And in the midst of persecution, he doesn't stop. Because as we see, we're going to see next week is that he's going to get provoked by what he sees when they're worshiping all these idols. His spirit was distressed by what he saw. But there are people around us, family, that need to hear about Jesus. Don't be afraid to share Jesus. Don't be afraid to stand for Jesus. It's not the popular thing to do in this world sometimes. But be ready to give a defense with gentleness and respect. Okay, family, let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Uh, Gracious Father, we thank you, Father God, for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you're the one that transforms us, Lord. You're the one that leads us, Lord. And today, as we read, Lord God, it's, You're the active agent of change, Lord. As Paul was proclaiming, as he was proving and explaining and reasoning with people, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will lead our hearts, Lord God. To be reminded today, Lord God, that there's only one truth. There's only one hope. And that hope is in Christ. That truth is only found in Christ but that we would know this day, Lord God, that that you have done everything to come down to rescue broken sinners like us so we would be in a right relationship, Lord. Lord, let our hearts know that and believe that, Lord God. Transform us, Lord, from the inside out, Lord. But lead us with that same passion to bring that good news to the person who's lost and broken, that person who says, I'm done with life. I'm tired of everything. Everybody's failed me. How are you going to bring me a message about hope? Lord, I pray that you would use a person, any person, if not every person in this room, to be able to bring that message of hope to someone in need like that or to the person who says, man, I got it all together. To Let them know, man, you don't. You're just worshiping money. You're worshiping things. Jesus is better. 
but that they would be able to reason with people and show them that this world holds no promise. Lord, take our eyes off of us. Help us to see not us every day and just worry about us and us and us and us. Because everything we want it to be is about us. We're so selfish as people, Lord. Lead us this day, Lord, to look to you. To look to you when we fail. To look to you when things are going good or bad. To know that the God we serve is a sovereign God who has all things in control. Lord, we need of you, Lord. We need of you, Lord. So we ask, Lord, that you would transform our hearts and our minds, Lord, this day. Because we can't do it on our own. Lead us to know the truth in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.